0: My name is Aaron O'Toole, the Member of Parliament for the Riding of Durham, and welcome to this first podcast in the Blue Skies series. Blue Skies is a name I've chosen because it very much describes the type of approach I try and bring to politics. I'm optimistic by nature. I got into public life to try and make a positive difference for my community and country. And Blue Skies means we're optimistic about a bright future for Canada and for the Durham region. It's also blue skies in that we're going to talk some high-level politics and and strategy and thoughts on this. So blue skying some of the ideas for our future is also part of this. And if you want to find out more about this podcast and my Durham past and present podcast, go to my website, aaronotoolmp.ca with some great new content we've uploaded this summer, including some great history and resources for teachers. But this one, I have to warn you, will be political. I will get partisan in this, I will call out uh, criticisms of the Liberal government where needed, but I will also, uh, when appropriate, praise the government. You know, I'm in this to recognize good work, and as an opposition member, I will do my job to, to criticize work that I think is not making Canada a better place. So the first topic we're going to kick off with is a debate going on this summer that I think... 99% of Canadians don't even know is happening and that's electoral reform. The Liberal government in their 200 plus election platform document had one line devoted to electoral reform saying they were going to replace our first past the post electoral system that we've used since Confederation. Did you know they're going to do this? I certainly didn't hear Any person on the door in the election say that they were voting primarily because of our electoral system. In fact, I knocked on thousands of doors in four different provinces and not a single person mentioned first past the post or electoral reform as their top issue. Certainly it was a change election. I was on the wrong side of the change election, but that was not a motivator for people to vote. And in the subsequent months of the new Liberal government, there has been virtually no proper debate, and they're going to change our electoral system with virtually no buy-in from Canadians. So I've written three blogs that have appeared in local papers and has also appeared on the Huffington Post Canada Politics site, explaining my thoughts on our parliamentary democracy and concerns I have with this process. And I'm not new to this. For many years I was on the board of the Churchill Society for the Advancement of Parliamentary Democracy where we actually hosted debates on electoral reform in Canada. So I think we should never fear debate. We should make sure that Canadians know exactly what the Liberal government is promising and really fight to make sure that Canadians have a say on a fundamental matter of their democracy. Some will say, and I agree as a lawyer, This is a constitutional element. It's so important to our democracy, yet the Liberals are running roughshod over it. So my first column dealt with, essentially, why are we having this debate? Canada, in the last year alone, give or take a year, has ranked first in international rankings for freedom of its people. It was ranked second as one of the best places to live in the world. We have full franchise where all adults can vote. We have free and open elections. And as we saw last October, there was a seamless transition of power from the Harper government to the Trudeau government. I think Canada is the envy of the world when it comes to our parliamentary democracy. So why the change? I think the Liberals are playing on that age-old cynicism about politics. We all like to grumble about politics and politicians, whether it's at the Tim Hortons, or at the water cooler at work. After all, it was Ben Franklin that said, the only two certainties in life are death and taxes. Death, well, we all know we can't avoid that. But taxes were really a simple way of explaining frustration with politics, going back to the American Revolution and taxation without representation. Democracy is messy. We will never have full agreement in a free country where people will have their own ideas. In fact, no electoral system will allow Canadians to see all of their own personal hopes, ideals, interests, and aspirations reflected in Parliament or in a political party or in a leader. There's always going to be a level of discord and disagreement in a healthy democracy. We should recognize that. We can complain when there's a political scandal or, or if a policy issue falls short, but is that really because of our electoral system and our parliamentary democracy as we've had it for almost 150 years? No, certainly not. First Past the Post is actually a very solid system. Why? First of all, it's easy You know, the noted liberal advisor and academic who's taught at Harvard, Queen's, U of T, Thomas Axworthy, just this week in Ottawa said the ease of voting and the easy understandability of first past the post is one of its biggest strengths. People place an X by the person they want to see represent their community, their riding. Sometimes they vote for the person, the individual. Sometimes they vote for the party or the leader of that party. But it's simple. You mark an X and the person that gets the most votes wins. Much like probably the first time you ever voted for class president or class prime minister. This is how it was done. It doesn't need much explaining. Second, it's representative. So each riding gets represented by a member of parliament. I constantly describe how honored I am to represent my two hometowns in Canada's House of Commons. I grew up living in Bowmanville and in Port Perry, and what what an honor for me to now be the son that represents those communities in Parliament. The other systems could have a situation where people are in the House of Commons, but don't even represent a community. They would appear from lists of party insiders or fundraisers. We've seen this in other countries that use versions of proportional representation. People don't have a tie to a community. They have a tie to the political leader, or their party, how is that representative government when they don't have a direct connection with the community? Or if we have to expand the size of our ridings so that an MP, the actual elected MP, represents a riding two, three, four times the size of what I represent in the Durham region now. The first-past-the-post system is also very stable. The party with the most number of MPs in ridings gets a chance to form government if they don't have a majority of seats in the House of Commons, they have to form a minority and get the support of other parties in the House. We've seen that in the early years of the Harper government. We saw the positives in the Pearson government, which was a minority. So now that we've looked at what this debate is really about, really playing on the cynicism, let's look at how this debate is being conducted. Certainly not a single person that I've met on the street or in the riding at events has mentioned this debate to me. Canadians don't know it's happening. And let's look at why it's happening. My second column mentioned gerrymandering. It usually refers to including good towns or hamlets or streets in a riding for your own advantage. There's a modern version of gerrymandering going on because the Liberals are actually skewing this debate. They're not allowing a full debate. They're only allowing proportional representation or preferential balloting to be considered. This electoral reform exercise is not even permitted to consider keeping first-past-the-post, despite the fact we've used it successfully for almost 150 years. So how is this really a debate? It is really an artificial debate to try and create systems that have an advantage for the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party as a center-left party would be able to dominate smaller parties like the NDP and Green in coalitions. We know that. And studies have shown that if there's a preferential balloting process, it would likely benefit the Liberals. So that's why those two alternatives are being considered. First past the post, we've seen they can lose. They can uh, be forced into coalitions when Canadians want them to happen, not politicians. So they are only allowing electoral processes that advantage them to be considered. You know, in 2007, you might remember, Ontario ran a very well-regarded electoral reform exercise. They had two pieces of legislation at Queen's Park, Premier McGuinty, to create the Ontario Citizens Assembly and to have a referendum on changes to our electoral system provincially. The Ontario Citizen Assembly process was so well respected it's been referred to internationally as part of the way you should conduct a review of your electoral system. Why aren't we following that same process? What's very interesting and very telling on really the motives of the Liberal Party here is the same two people that ran the Ontario Citizen Assembly vote process are now Justin Trudeau's top advisors. So that begs the question, if the same advisors are now running the Trudeau government's electoral reform exercise, why are they not permitting the same proper debate, public education campaign, and vote that they gave Ontarians in 2007? Canadians deserve to hear why they're not giving Canadians the same vote that they gave Ontarians. Third, my most recent blog was the risks we have to national unity with electoral reform. And this is serious. I, wish, uh, I hope people know that I'm not overstating this. Canada, as I said, is one of our leading democracies, but we are a diverse and challenging country. We have an expansive geography, second largest country in the world, and a relatively small population, and in some areas very sparse. We have diverse heritage, First Nations in the French and English, dual languages and legal structures, and we have an immense embrace of immigration, so very diverse culture and viewpoints. So national unity has always been a key consideration for the Prime Minister. And a look just at the last two generations in our history shows that this is not easy. Uh, following the conscription crises of the of the uh, the war, war years, we had two referendums in Quebec on national unity. We've had the national energy program of the Pierre Trudeau government, which alienated the West quite deeply. And we've seen firsthand with the National Energy Program and others, that the actions of government can often tangle Canadians in our differences and, and our regional cleavages rather than bind us together in common purpose. It reminds me of PC leader Robert Stanfield's old, old quote that it's far easier to divide Canadians than unite. He said, quote, National unity does not mean uniting most of Canada against part of it, unquote. Our 1st past the post system has actually helped unite Canadians because it forces parties to be broad and diverse, to be a collective approach to issues, to to build consensus as a brokerage party. And the the Conservatives, the Liberals, and the NDP are brokerage parties of a number of interests. But Canada has seen single-issue parties in, in our past. The Progressive and United Farmer parties, which actually formed governments in several provinces, including Ontario. Um, They also elected MPs to the House of Commons, really speaking only on agricultural and rural issues. In Quebec, the Bloc Populaire uh, was formed to fight conscription during Second World War and had MPs. And we've seen the Bloc Quebecois, which in 1993 was the official opposition in the House of Commons, but now has dwindled to only a few seats. First past the post really allows these regional or single issue parties to fade as opposed to locking them in permanently. First Past the Post forces parties to represent broad sections of Canadians. It does not allow narrow viewpoints to gain a foothold. Under proportional representation, which some people would like to move to, you can, without even electing a single MP, but getting certain level of popular vote be afforded seats in the House of Commons and the financing and and legitimacy that is granted by becoming a party in the House of Commons that will encourage people to create parties or represent only narrow groups of issues or narrow regional issues it really could lead to the balkanization of our House of Commons we already have four or five parties permanently represented over the last 50 years or so but only two parties have been broad enough in appeal to form government that is good because it makes sure that those parties represent a broad cross-section of canadians we look at other countries like new zealand we can see the rise of permanent splinter parties strange coalitions and horse trading where To get over the line of a majority, other parties have to make deals with these single issue parties uh, on issues that they didn't include in their own election platform. So the election result is actually nothing like what most people voted for. So these are the real questions we have to ask ourselves about this debate and the real risks that come with throwing out a system that has worked effectively for 150 years. We need a proper debate on changing something that has helped Canada. If it's the will of the people to change our system after a proper debate and after a vote, I will live with that. But right now, the Liberals are denying the proper debate. In fact, not even allowing our current system to be considered. And they're stubbornly refusing to allow Canadians to have their say That undermines the legitimacy of this exercise and when you look at the options they're allowing to be considered and see that there's an advantage to them, this is really a political exercise that they're quietly trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. Please go to my website, erinotoolmp.ca, check out my blogs on electoral reform and fill in the comment section there. Let me know your ideas on what you'd like to hear me speak about in the subsequent podcast, and make sure you tune in through SoundCloud or iTunes and tell your friends. Once again, I'm Aaron O'Toole, Member of Parliament for Durham. Thanks for listening.